going to Matthew chapter 6 this morning. Matthew chapter 6, um, <clears throat> verses 16 through 18 specifically is where we're going to land today. Um, and we've been in this series on transforming prayer. And really just kind of pressing into the Lord and learning what does it look like uh, to really grow deeper and, and to go further with the Lord in our prayer lives, both personally and corporately, as we talked about last week and even this past Friday night, we had our, our deep prayer night where we all got together and prayed together here at the church. It was a wonderful uh, time of just connecting with the Lord that evening. And um, so I want to just kind of continue to press down that uh, road a little bit further this morning um, when we talk about fasting. Now, <clears throat> um, I think if you've been paying attention at all the last couple of weeks, you've noticed that that winter has come. Anybody else pick up on that like this, this past week? Like it came in and it came in hard. Like it was like I'm here, right? Um, and I, I don't remember. It's been several years, uh, I think, since I remember there being snow before Thanksgiving. And uh, it, it happened again here in St. Louis. And this week I just happened to see this, this meme pop up on my, on my computer. And I thought I need to share this with our people. Like this is, a, this is like a PSA right here. Like I need to share this just so you know. And so here's what it said. Snow in November happens because people decorate for Christmas prematurely. You know who you are. Stop it. Right? Stop it. Um, in our house, prematurely is before Thanksgiving, right? Um, and so we, uh, we're, like Courtney said earlier, we are firmly team turkey around our house. We love Thanksgiving, one of our favorite holidays. We love all of the food, the turkey, the sweet potatoes, the desserts, all of it. Cannot wait for that to come. Um, <clears throat> but hopefully, as much as we all love Thanksgiving, hopefully we don't only love it for the food, right? The important part about Thanksgiving is that we get to be thankful for our family, for our blessings, for the Lord in our life and all that he has done for us and all that he's doing in us and through us and how faithful he is. And so as we all prepare for this joy of Thanksgiving that is coming this next week, I want to talk to you this morning about food, but kind of at the other end of the spectrum, if you know what I'm talking about, right? We're going to talk about fasting but here's the good news, all right, because some of y'all are already like, this is feeling like it's off, like you timed this wrong, Micah, right? I do not need this guilt trip before I go into turkey day, right? Like, but here's the, here's the good news. What we're going to see is that fasting, just like Thanksgiving, is not actually about the food. It's not about the food. Today, Jesus is going to teach us that fasting isn't about less food, it's about more of the Father. That the real key to fasting, the real heart behind fasting as it's shown in the Bible, is not just about eating less food. It's about pressing into a deeper relationship, a deeper connection with the Father through this spiritual discipline. So, we're going to look at that in Matthew chapter 6 this morning, kicking off in verse 16. You can follow along there in the scriptures with me. Jesus says, and when you fast... Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, appoint your, anoint your head with, and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, as we dive into this scripture this morning, I want to start with just a very basic point. Number one is... What is fasting? <laughs> uh, for some of you, this might be a whole new concept, a whole new idea. Maybe you've never heard of this before, or maybe you've heard the word, but you've never really 
heard anything about what it is or how it works for Christians or for the church. And so I just want to just kind of a basic press in this morning on what is this fasting that Jesus is talking about. He says right here in the first verse, when you fast, right? So what does he mean by that? And this is, this is one of Jesus' main teachings on fasting and prayer. It's not very long, it's just a few verses. But this is where he gives us kind of the main content on fasting for his, for his own teaching. And what we've seen is, I think, especially here in America, this has become a forgotten practice in the modern church. Like This just isn't something we talk about, something, not something we do, not something we think about much. And yet, it's mentioned over 75 times in the Bible. It's actually talked about more than communion and more than baptism. And yet, we oftentimes don't even, it's not even on our radar, right? So let me give you a a biblical definition of fasting to get us started. Biblical fasting is a Christian's voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. All right, get all those pieces in there. They're all important. Biblical fasting is a Christian's voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. Right? Now, we see this reality of fasting all throughout the scriptures, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. In fact, Jesus even himself fasted at times, as we're going to see. And when we start looking at the different examples of fasting, we see some different types of fasting that show up in the Bible. Okay? First of all, I'll have what we have what I'll call normal fasting. All right? Normal fasting is to abstain from food, but you can still drink water, sometimes juice, depending on how you do it. But it's just no, no food, right? You can still drink water, no food. That's a normal fast. You also have what we would call a partial fast, where you abstain from only certain types of food. You restrict your diet. A great example of this today in our culture is in Catholicism, when they do Lent, they abstain from meat, right? Not all food, but that particular type of food. That's a partial fast, okay? So a partial fast is an option. Absolute fast is the third type. This is where you have no food or drink. Absolutely nothing. And obviously, for the human body, this can only go for so long, right? Usually about three days is max that a human can do this before it becomes a problem for you health-wise. But you have normal, partial, or absolute. Those are kind of the first three categories of fasting. We also see in the Bible there's a difference between corporate fasting and private fasting, right? There are times where it calls a whole group of people to fast together. There's also times where it's just a person privately fasting on their own. Both are fine. Both are good. Both are in the Bible. Um, And we see more of the corporate fasts demonstrated in Scripture. But when we look at church history, when we look at the back in, in, in the early church, the church leaders oftentimes would do private fasts even two times a week as just kind of a normal rhythm of their time with the Lord. And so it's definitely still a, a good practice there as well. Both are good as long as they are purposeful and not just for a ritual. Right? We're not just putting on the count like, I do this every Thursday because that's what we do. Like there needs to be a purpose for why we're doing what we're doing, as you're going to see in a moment. Lastly, fasting can be different types of lengths. Right? It can be, in, an example, or in the Bible we see examples of a, a part of a day fast, so just part of a day. There's a one day, there's a three day, there's a seven day, there's 14 days, there's 21 days, there's 40 days. Like there's all kinds of different examples of links, and so that's not really not the, the issue so much as, again, what are we doing and why are we doing it? Okay? So that's, that's kind of the biblical lens, that's the, the definition of what fasting looks like. Now, anytime I start talking about fasting, especially in the modern day with Christians, I always get this question. Are there other types of fasting? Right? Could I, could I fast from, like, social media? 
or from my phone or from talking to, you know, you know, like a solitude kind of silence type of fast or from maybe I need to fast from certain people <laughs> in my life at times or, or, or sleep or like, they, like, are there other things that we can fast from besides food? Well, doing some of those things, I'm not going to say it's wrong to do those things. Like maybe you do need to take a break from some of those things. But the only example, the only reference that we have in Scripture is to food, not to anything else. And so if you're wanting to fast from something else instead of food, my first question would be like, why? Like, why is that your go-to instead of what the Bible gives us the example of? Because I think the Bible uses food for, for a reason, for a purpose. Most of the other things I just named, social media, your phone, whatever, those are wants they're not needs. Food is a need, right? It is a basic need of every human being. And so to sacrifice that need for the Lord in prayer creates a level of dependency and a level of, um, of submission to God and his sovereignty over my body in ways that these other things don't, right? And so, so my, again, my question would be like, what is the purpose for doing a fast other than food? And oftentimes people will say, well, I just I need a reset. Like, I just need to hit the reset button on this thing in my life because it's taking up too much of my time. It's taking my eyes off the Lord. It's, it's, it's distracting me. Okay, great. You're probably right. But if that's true, you probably need a more permanent solution than a three-day fast from your phone. Right? Like, that's probably not, the, the point of fasting is not to hit the reset button on whatever in your life has become an idol. If there's an idol issue, you need to just repent of that idol and make some changes permanently to how you're functioning between you and the Lord. Because biblical fasting really is talking about a, 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 a move away from food. And a lot of things, a lot of times, if we really get to the heart of it, the reason we want to do something other than food is because fasting from food is hard. Right? It's just hard, and it hurts, and there's some suffering in it, and a lot of times we don't, we don't want to do that. So, so this is biblical fasting. This is what Jesus is talking about when he says, when you fast. I was reading a, a book on prayer and fasting. It gave an example of, um, of Jerry Falwell. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a pastor, and he started Liberty uh, University and Theological Seminary, which is one of the biggest uh, university theological seminaries in the world now. Um, but back in 1971, it was just getting started, and it had started growing pretty rapidly for like 25 years, so much so that the growth had actually kind of outpaced the donations and the contributions that were coming in, and they were having this financial deficit in the university, so much so they were getting ready to have their accreditation suspended because of this financial issue. And so Jerry Falwell said, hey, I need, I, he said, uh, with this crisis, I had to fast and fast seriously. And so he felt led to go into a 40-day fast for miraculous financial provision for the university, that God would continue to keep them going. But, at, but <clears throat> it did not go quite as he planned <laughs> when he stepped into it. This is the quote he said, I kept asking God for money, but he impressed upon my heart that I need to get close to him, to listen to him, and to trust him. When I asked for money, God told me, hey, don't ask for money, just learn to know me better. And so at the end of 40 days, Falwell, he had learned a whole lot more about the Lord, but he had no answer to the financial need in the university. And so he comes out of the fast, he goes back into his regular diet, and after about 25 days of that, God came back and said, all right, now, now you can ask me for money. And he went into a second 40-day fast where he was praying for God to miraculously provide for the university, and God did. He showed up, and he gave um, tremendous financial blessing 
and was able to get the things back on track and get the accreditation renewed and, and the story continued. But, but when Paul was asked about his fasting, when, he was, when he's asked about this, he would never really talk about it. He would never really talk much about himself or the experience. But this is what he would always say. Fasting is one of the great privileges of the Christian life. It is an act of self-denial that greatly enhances the power of our prayers. That's what fasting is. It's just a tool that God has given us. Another spiritual discipline that God has given us to press in and to know the power of him more in our lives. And so, when we we say what is fasting, I'll just tell you this. The heart of fasting, if we really boil it down to just what is at the heart of this, the heart of fasting is an intentional pursuit of God's face, not just his favor. It's not just about getting what I want or asking for a need or trying to, to, to pull the lever so God does what I want him to do. It's about pressing in and knowing the face of God, the presence of God more in my life. And whatever he does with that, he does with that. So that's what fasting is. So that leads us then to the second question of like, why should I fast? <laughs> Number two, why should I fast? Right? Like, sounds like it's a lot of work, it's a lot of sacrifice, it's a lot of discomfort. Like, why would I want to do that? Well, look back at the verse again in verse 16. It says, Jesus says, when you fast. Notice he doesn't say, if you fast. He says, when you fast. He actually says it twice in these couple of verses. When you fast. So Jesus is expecting that his followers will do this. And if you go back and you read his teachings just prior to this, in, in, the, in the couple verses, or the couple chapters leading up to it, he talks about giving, he talks about praying, he talks about all these other spiritual disciplines, and when he does, he always says, when you give, when you pray. And now he says, when you fast. Because Jesus is expecting his followers to do these things as they worship him and as they follow him. So there's, there's a call to us by Jesus, like, hey, you're supposed to do this. But listen, when he calls us to fast, it is not, please listen to me this morning, because this is, I think, where it gets twisted the most, It is not to simply earn favor with God or to earn acceptance from God in some way. When you put your faith in Jesus, you are fully loved and fully accepted by God from that moment on, period, regardless of what you do. We are testimony of that in the baptismal this morning. This is not to earn more favor with God or to somehow get his blessings in your life. This is to get more of him, to get closer to who he is. It's not a spiritual lever that we pull on the ATM to get God to give us what we want. And so the purpose of fasting is to draw closer to God. Let me give you another verse to help with that. Matthew 9, 14 through 15. Again, Jesus is talking here. It says, Then the disciples of John came to him. So the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus. And they said to him, Why do we and the Pharisees, two different groups, why do we and the Pharisees both fast, but your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. You see, the disciples of Jesus, they didn't need to fast while he was there because they were already in his presence. They already had all of him right there with them. But after Jesus resurrected from the grave and ascended back into heaven he's no longer here with us his presence is no longer that tangible we now can fast to press into more of god's presence and to experience that spiritual relationship that is not currently physically here 
One day we will see him face to face and we will be in his presence forever and fasting will be no longer needed. But right now, it's an opportunity for us to press in more to who he is. And so let me give you ten ways that fasting draws me closer to God. These are all from the Bible, all biblical examples. Ten ways, or basically you can think about this like ten reasons why you should fast. Ten ways that this can help you get closer to who God is. Number one is repentance. Number one reason for fasting is repentance. It's to return to God. Let me give you some examples of that. 1 Samuel uh, 7, 6. All of the Israelites prayed and fasted because they said, we have sinned against the Lord. They knew that they had went away from who God was and his call in their lives, and they, as part of their repentance, they fasted. In Jonah 3, 5 through 8, all of Nineveh repented, and God then relented from their destruction. God said, I'm going to take out this whole city because they're so sinful. And when they heard that, they're like, oh, no, 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 we repent. And they fasted. The whole city fasted together, and God relented from their punishment. In Joel 2, verse 12, it says, Yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. He says, return to me, repent, with fasting. And so the first step, if fasting is about more of God's presence, the first step towards God and more of his presence is always repentance. The only way we can get more of him and get in closer is to, through repentance because sin is what separates us from God in the first place. I talked about this earlier when we were doing the baptisms. Right? This is the heart of the gospel. That because we are sinners and we rebel against God, that sin separates us and it breaks the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ or with God the Father. And out of his grace, out of his love for us, he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to come to be born as a man, to live a perfect and sinless life, the only one to ever do that, and then to willingly go to the cross and give that life to pay the price for our sins. He literally hung on the cross where we should have hung as our substitute and paid the debt that we owed to God for our sin and our rebellion. And then he went into the grave, and three days later he rose back to life proving that he was God, that he had conquered sin and death, and that if we will repent, if we will turn away from our sin and put our faith in Jesus Christ, he will save us and he will forgive us and he will rescue us to have eternity with God again. And fasting can be part of that repentance. Even those of us who are already Christians, who have already put our faith in Jesus, and by the way, if you haven't yet, man, we invite you to that today. Jesus invites you to that today. Man, if you heard the stories up here, if you connected with any of those, then let that be a testimony to you that God can do in your life what he did in their life. Just turn and put your faith in Jesus. But for those of us who have already put our faith in Jesus, it's not like this magic switch that all of a sudden sin goes away. I thought I'd get an amen on that from somebody. Come on, right? Are you with me? And so the life of a Christian is a life of continual repentance. Because every day sin creeps back in and it keeps pressing in on me and I have to go back and I have to repent again and I have to repent again and I have to repent again. And so fasting can be part of that normal rhythm of our repentance with the Lord. That's the first way. Second way that fasting draws me closer to God is humility. Fasting is really an act of humility before an almighty God. 
I'm acknowledging in that moment my own frailty, my own dependence on food, that I cannot survive on my own without this, and that he, the sovereign God, is the one who gives it to me. And so by fasting, I'm acknowledging that humility before him, and I'm allowing him to work through that in my heart. Some examples of this, wicked King Ahab uh, in 1 Kings 21, he was not a follower of God, he did not love God, he did not worship God, and yet he still humbled himself in desperation before God and prayed and fasted and God, for God to save his nation. Another example on the other end of the spectrum, godly King David, maybe the greatest king that the Israelites ever had. He also, in worship, humbled himself before God in Psalm 35, 13. We have this great verse in the New Testament, James 4, 6, that says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you're needing more grace in your life, maybe we should humble ourselves through some fasting so we can draw closer to God and let him shower that grace upon us. The third way that we can <clears throat> use fasting to press it more into the Lord is dedication. I'm sorry, I skipped one. Worship. The third one is worship. It's just a, an act of expressing worship, expressing adoration unto the Lord. There's a fantastic example of this in Luke chapter 2 as we're coming into the Christmas season. I love this part of the story. There's a woman named Anna, and she's lifted up as this faithful example of just fervent worship before the Lord such that she never left the temple, and she prayed and she fasted night and day before the Lord. It can be just an act of worship just because we love him and we want to be closer to him. It shows that our primary focus is on God and not on the things of this world. That's what worship is about, right? It's about putting our hearts and our eyes on him and not on other things. In Philippians 3.19 it says, Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Sometimes we can get in this place just with, through the normal routine of life where our, our belly becomes our God and we just get sucked into the things of this world and our appetites are so strong for other things that we miss our appetite for God. And so sometimes we just need to fast as an act of worship to get our eyes set back on who he is. Number four is grief. Fasting can be a great way to express grief and pain and hurt and, and, and need before the Lord. <clears throat> Judges 20, it says the Israelites fasted and grieved over the death of 40,000 of their brothers in battle. They lost 40,000 of their people, and they just were so grieved they started to fast before the Lord. 2 Samuel chapter 1, David and his men start fasting and grieving over the death of King Saul. The wicked king who was trying to kill David, who wanted to take him out, David still mourned for him and grieved for him through fasting because he was God's anointed. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to those, to the brokenhearted, and saves those who are crushed in spirit. When we come to the Lord with our grief through fasting, it allows him then to press in more to our broken hearts and to our spirits and to revive us in those moments. The next one is alignment. I think this is a really important one too. Fasting can be a, a, a help to align our hearts and align our prayers with God's will. It like sharpens our prayer life. 
In Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah fasted and prayed over the state of Jerusalem. It was torn down, it was destroyed, and he was just heartbroken. And he, and he fasted and prayed over the state of Jerusalem, asking for God to help in that situation. In Daniel chapter 9, Daniel fasted and prayed for God's word to come to pass. For him to finally come and actually rescue Israel like he promised that he would. And in both of those examples, when these men prayed those prayers and they fasted, eventually God would accomplish those prayers through them. He would send Nehemiah to repair the walls. He would speak through Daniel to bring that rescue of the people. It brought these men and their hearts in line with what God already wanted to do. And this is the key right here. Fasting does not change God's hearing. It's not like God's not listening to me, so I need to fast. Fasting does not change God's hearing so much as it changes our praying. As we fast, it changes our heart to align us with who God is and what he wants to do. Next is dedication. Sometimes we can fast in order to dedicate ourselves and our lives to the Lord and to his work. Jesus is a great example of this in Matthew chapter 4. It says that he went out and he fasted for 40 days in the wilderness before he started his public ministry. Dedicating himself to God and to the work that he was going to be called to in the days ahead. And this is important when you're stepping into new areas of ministry because, friends, I'm just going to be honest with you today. Ministry puts a target on your back. Whether it's vocational ministry like myself or Nathaniel or Elise or Mason, or whether it's just like you're just stepping into a new leadership role in the church, even as a volunteer, or you're stepping into some new area in your family and serving in that way or in your, in your, in your just own life and whatever, like anytime you step into a greater level of spiritual leadership and ministry, it puts a target on your back that Satan wants to come after that. Because he doesn't want the advancement of the kingdom. And so by fasting and preparing and dedicating ourselves to the Lord, it strengthens us to be able to do what God's called us to do. Next is wisdom. Sometimes we can fast for wisdom because we just need guidance. We need direction from the Lord. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, leaders or kings would fast and pray and ask God, "Should should we go into this battle or not? Should we do this or not? Should we... And when they prayed and when they fasted, oftentimes they would go in and they would be victorious because God would answer them. When they didn't ask the Lord, when they didn't pray and fast, they would oftentimes fail because they didn't seek God and his wisdom for the situation. In the New Testament with the church, in Acts 13, it says that the church in Antioch, that they prayed and fasted before they sent Paul and Barnabas out on their first missionary journey, seeking wisdom and direction from the Lord for what he had for them. In Acts 14, then, Paul and Barnabas turn around, and on that first missionary journey, they pray and fast in order to install elders in the churches that they had just planted, seeking God's wisdom and direction for who should be leading in those ministries. Another book I was reading by Donald Whitney, he says this, fasting does not ensure the certainty of receiving clear guidance from God. Hear that again. Fasting does not ensure the certainty of receiving clear guidance from God. Rightly practiced, however, it does make us more receptive to the one who loves to guide us. Again, it's not about getting God to do something. It's about us getting our hearts right and in the right place to hear from the one who wants to give us wisdom and guidance as he leads his people. The next one is protection. Sometimes we can fast for deliverance from trials and temptations and struggles. Again, some examples here. 2 Corinthians 20, 
King Jehoshaphat led Judah to pray and fast that God would protect them from the attackers that were coming against them, and he did. He heard and he rescued his people. In Esther chapter 4, Queen Esther calls all the Jews to fast to protect her as she goes and she approaches King Xerxes about saving the Jewish people. In Psalm 109, on a more personal level, David prayed and fasted for relief from personal enemies and attacks. When you feel like you're under attack, when you feel like there's something coming against you that you can't handle, oftentimes that can squeeze us in a way that what actually comes out of our heart is actually just more sinful response to whatever sin's coming against us. Fasting is a great opportunity, and it's one of the best things we can turn to to keep us from going to those sinful responses when attacks are against us. By responding to God with fasting and prayer and humility, it gets our hearts to a place where we can respond in a way that will honor him. So protection. Number, uh, number nine, intercession. Sometimes we can pray and fast on behalf of others. It's not always about us, right? Sometimes other people need help with their sin, with their struggles, with their pain. Praying even for revival for our country. We talked about that last week. <laughs> Again, some examples here. Deuteronomy chapter 9 says that Moses fasted for 40 days so that God would spare Israel after their worship of the golden calf. Like they've just worshipped this false god, and God's like, all right, I'm done with these people. They're out. And Moses said, no, 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 no. And he prayed and fasted for 40 days that God would save them, and he did. First Samuel uh, chapter 20, Jonathan fasted over the sinful attacks of his father, King Saul, against his best friend, David. And he prayed and fasted that God would change Saul's heart and his sin, and he would help in the situation. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says this, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. It's a great promise from God that if we will turn to him with fervent prayer, including fasting at times, that he will hear and he will respond. Last week we talked about revivals in church history. Every revival that we've ever seen in church history, it started like this. With God's people on their faces, praying and oftentimes fasting for God to move and interceding on behalf of others who didn't know him. Lastly, we can fast for the supernatural. Sometimes we just need a miracle, right? Sometimes there's something in our lives or something that's going on that we can't handle it. It's bigger than us. And the only way it's going to get worked out is if God does a miracle and we can pray that God would do something that only he can do. We see examples of this all throughout the Bible, granting just miraculous military victories, saving the nation through Moses or through Esther, restoring the nation with Daniel and Nehemiah. But it's even true on a, on a personal level. It doesn't always have to be a big like, level like that. Sometimes it's just personal. I love the story in 1 Samuel chapter 1. We, I preached on this earlier this year for Mother's Day. When Baron Hannah who had been desperately wanting children for years. It says that she prayed and she fasted for a son. And God not gave her not only one son, but he gave her multiple children. She needed a miracle and God showed up. Listen guys, we have to remember our God is a God of the supernatural. And we can't force him to do miracles, 
But when we draw closer to him in prayer and in fasting, we have a front row seat to see him do what only he can do. And that's what we're praying for. Ten ways that we can draw closer to God through fasting. This is why we fast. I'll tell you another story. Along with some of you, um, I experienced this firsthand in the early days of our church. Before church planting, um, I had tried fasting a couple different times as a Christian um, just because I felt like I needed to try it, and I didn't really have a, a good purpose for it. Like I just felt like I needed to do it. But when we embarked on church planting, I found myself increasingly aware <laughs> that this was the first thing that I had ever done in my life where I couldn't just work harder and do more and make it happen. And no matter what I tried, no matter what I did, I became painfully aware that church planting was a work of the Lord and his supernatural help would be the only way this was going to go. Otherwise, it was going to fail miserably. And as that realization um, started to come full tilt, it started to crush me. It started to crush my dreams and, honestly, some of my idols. And I was driven to my knees, and I found myself just praying and crying out to God every day, like, God, you've got to, you've got to move. You've got to do something. You've got to make this go. And as I was praying to him one day, he said, he said, you need to do more. Like, almost like just, you need to do more. And I was like, more? <laughs> I've done everything I know to do. Now I'm on my knees, on my face, every day for hours asking, like, what else, what is more? More was fasting. And so I started fasting one day a week. And then it became two days a week. And then sometimes it was two or three days at a time, just asking God to move. Then I invited our church, our, or not our church, but at that point, our core group of people, our 30 people, like, hey, would you join me in this? We'll fast one day, and then we'll come together that night, and we'll all pray together and ask God to move. And we started moving on this together, and God started doing things that he hadn't done prior because we were so desperate and so humble and so just asking him to do the supernatural through fasting. God's sovereign. He does what he does. I don't know what the answer would have been, but it seems like if we wouldn't have fasted, Harvest Church wouldn't exist. Because God moves when his people get desperate and they push in to get more of him. And that's what I learned through that process. Like, it wasn't just about him answering the situation and fixing the problem. Through that, he changed my heart and he changed my mind and he gave me more of him in that relationship long before he did anything in the church. So why do we fast? It's to experience more of God and his goodness. The bottom line, all those examples I gave you, all those reasons, they all come down to this. To experience more of God and more of his goodness. So that's what fasting is. That's why we do it. And then lastly, how do I fast biblically? What does it look like? So some of you are like, okay, Mike, I hear you. I'm, I'm on it now. I got, the, I got you. Like, but how, how do, I don't even know what to do. How do I do this? What's this look like? Right? Let me give you some things real quick. Number one, the most important thing for fasting is to have a biblical purpose. And a biblical purpose, Jesus says here, is having a heart for God not for men or for self. That's what he says here. He says, don't fast to be seen by others. 
He says they've already received their reward. So don't do it to, to make a scene or to, to, be, to get accolades from men or to get attention from other people. He says if you're going to fast, do it for spiritual reasons. Do it to be closer to God, not for selfish motives or for empty ritual. You see, fasting always starts with the heart. It's not just the behaviors. It's the heart. Is my heart for God? Do I have one of those whys, those reasons, those purposes that I'm pressing in to more of God? So it starts with a biblical purpose, he says. And then he lays out a biblical process here for fasting. He gives us three things. Number one, don't flaunt it. He says, don't go around looking gloomy, right? Don't disfigure your face like the hypocrites do. He says, don't make yourself look sick and hungry so people are like, oh, what's wrong with you? He says, don't do it for attention. He says, anoint your head, wash your face, follow your normal routine so that no one knows what's going on. Don't broadcast your fasting to everyone else. He says, don't flaunt it, number one. Number two, keep it on a need-to-know basis. Keep it on a need-to-know basis. He says, do it not to be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. Now, this doesn't mean that no one can know. Right? If you're married or if you've got a family, like, if you're fasting around the house, all of a sudden you're not eating dinner, like, somebody's going to know. Right? Like, this is a thing. So it doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean that nobody can know. He's just saying, like, hey, keep the circle as tight as you can. Right? Keep it on a need-to-know basis. And this even plays out with corporate fast, right? So you have private fast is what Jesus is talking about here. On a corporate fast, corporate fasts are fine. And obviously more people are going to know because you're doing it with a group of people. But still, keep it on a need. It just, it just widens the circle of the need to know, right? But still, we're not going around broadcasting this and making it a big deal. And then lastly, number three, focus on God, not food. Father, Jesus says here, the Father sees in secret. Fasting is just another tool that God has given us to draw closer to him. It's a tangible, physical way to tap into a spiritual reality, a spiritual relationship that we don't get as much of unless we do this. In other words, make it about the ends, not about the means. Don't focus on the food, and I can't have this, and I can't have that, and that. Don't make it about the means. Make it about the ends. I get more of God. That's what I'm pressing for. It's about more of him, more of a relationship. Focus on God. So lastly, I'm just going to close with this. I'm going to give you a biblical guide, I'm sorry, a practical guide to biblical fasting. Just a few steps. Like if you want to try this, if you want to press into this, Jesus said when you fast, not if you fast. So if you're ready to take that step of obedience and step into this, here's what you need to do. Number one, make a plan. All right? You do need a plan on how you're going to do this. Pick out what type of fast you want to do. A, a normal fast, an absolute fast, a partial fast. Like, pick out what type you want to do. Pick the length of your fast, how long you're going to fast. Um, if you've never done it before, start small and build up. Like, don't go straight for 40 days. That's going to go bad, okay? Like, most people can do, like, one to three days in their normal routine. So start there, right, and let God work on that. And most of all, have a purpose in your plan. Why are you fasting? Go back to that list of like 10 things. I'm sh- I, 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 I would be extremely surprised if not at least one of those 10 things applies to your life right now. 
but pick a purpose, pick a biblical purpose on why you would do this, and then step into the plan. Also, you need to spiritually prepare yourself. And spiritual preparation starts with repentance of sin. Get your heart right with the Lord. You can't get more of God through fasting if you're holding on to sin in your heart because it's separating you from God. So start with repentance. Spiritually prepare your heart to draw closer to him. And then also physically prepare. Um, it's, it's oftentimes good to actually kind of wean yourself down a little bit on the food before you start your fast. Like don't like gorge yourself the night before and then start the next day. That's not going to go good, okay? Like kind of wean down a little bit. If you have medications or physical ailments, like you need to kind of plan for that because sometimes that can affect those things. You can still fast. There's a way to do it. You get to plan and prepare physically to make it work. And then shift time. The best thing you can do when you're fasting is plan to be less busy. Make space. Because, again, it's not just about not eating food. It's about getting more of God. And if you want more of God, you need more time to spend with God. So when you should be eating, you're praying and you're seeking more of God. Even beyond that, if you can get more time to be praying during that time of fasting, you're going to get more out of it as you spend time with the Lord. So shift your time, carve out more time to spend with God. And then lastly, just some general wisdom. Um, do less physically demanding activity. Okay? Don't go run a marathon while you're fasting. All right? Bad choice. Like, Make sure that you're not going to be straining yourself too much. Drink lots of water to keep yourself hydrated so you don't... Get sick and up in the hospital. Be ready to use the facilities a lot more because you're drinking more water. Uh, you can expect to encounter some mild headaches and joint pain, especially the first day or two. That's normal because your body is just adjusting to what's going on. And plan to come out of the fast slowly. Again, you don't want to, like, go no food for three days and all of a sudden, like, go eat a steak dinner. Okay? It's not going to go well. Kind of wean yourself out. Okay. It's really about being purposeful and pursuing more of Christ. All these practical things are helpful. You, you know, this helps us do it well. But ultimately, it's about the heart and pursuing the Lord in that. Now, some of you I know, if you've been here at the Harvest long enough, you, I know you're getting nervous. Because you think, Mike is about to throw it down right here. Like, he's about to tell us, all right, from here on out, we're doing this every week on Thursdays. Right? Like, I'm not going to do that. That would go against everything Jesus just taught. Right? This, 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 is, this is about you and the Lord. I'm not saying there's not a place for corporate fast. I'm not saying that we won't ever do that in the future at some point if there's a need in our church. But ultimately, like, this is about you and the Lord. But here's my real question. If you're nervous about it, why are you nervous? Why do we get nervous about fasting? Because if we're really honest, we think about it, like we do miss meals for other things. Like you're out shopping and you get like, caught up and then like, like oh man, we, we miss lunch. Right? Or, or you're working and you're so busy you don't have time to stop and so you just keep working through that meal and you skip it. Or you're recreating or, or you're dieting. Right? Like I'm willing to give it up because I want to get my body to look a certain way. There are other reasons why we give up meals on a regular basis. And so why are we so nervous about doing it for the Lord? And ultimately the answer is worship. We're willing to sacrifice for the things that we truly love and worship. And so it's really not a question of, can I miss a meal or not, or can I do fasting? It's, do I love God enough? Do I want to worship him enough to do it like this? 
Fasting isn't about your appetite for food, but your appetite for God. How much do you want more of him? How hungry are you to experience more of God in your life? That's the heart that will drive good, rich, biblical fasting. Because fasting isn't about less food, it's about more of the Father. So, I'll just end with this. If you've never done it, as a Christian, if you've never done it, I just want to encourage you, just try it. Find a day, find a time that works, plan it out, just give it a try. If you've done it before, but maybe not quite right, based on what you've heard today, try it again. Maybe it'll be more productive for you this time. If you have done it before and it's went well, but maybe you haven't done it in a while, maybe it's time to resurrect that and to bring that back into your life and to try it again. Get a fresh encounter with God. You know, here at Harvest, we call ourselves a vertical church because we want everyone to have that vertical experience. We want everyone to be connected to God in greater and in greater ways. And if that's your desire, you need to use every tool at your disposal to press into the Lord, right? Corporate worship, gospel community in our small groups, studying God's word, praying, and even fasting. So I want to invite you to go ahead and stand with me right now. I'm going to just close us here in prayer, and then we're going to sing a song of response. But as I pray over us this morning as we close this out, I want to just ask you if you wouldn't mind just taking your hands and just kind of opening them up like this with your palms to the ceiling. Nothing spiritual here, like in the sense of like angels aren't going to come down and sit next to you now, okay? It's just, it's just a physical act of us in our own hearts, our own humility, saying, God, I'm, I'm ready to receive from you whatever you have for me on this. Whatever this looks like, whatever you want me to do, I'm ready to receive that. If that's your heart, I would encourage you place your hands like this while we pray and just let the Holy Spirit speak and lead you how to respond to what you've heard today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow before you today. God, we are so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for this series where you've been taking us deeper and deeper in prayer. Lord, we want to love you. We want more of you in our lives. We want more of you in our families. We want more of you in our church. Please show us how we might enter into this spiritual discipline of fasting. Lord, Holy Spirit, come and teach us how we can experience more of you and more of your movement in our lives through this. God, we worship you. We worship you today in everything, even with our bodies, even with our diets. Lord, we confess today that it is all about you. Lord, please move in our hearts today. We pray all of this in Christ's name.